1: Going on, lacrosse fans. I hope I didn't start. Welcome to episode 106 of Lacrosse Classified, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. 106. My goodness, uh, Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, great program lined up for you for episode 106, Lex Class 106, if you will, as we continue our calls to the Hall and another Hall of Famer on board here as we'll talk to the man they call Chugger, Steve Dietrich, uh, general manager of the Buffalo Bandits, Hall of Famer from the National Lacrosse League. Used to wear the old field-style bucket back in the day between the pipes uh, for the likes of the Bandits and Nighthawks. So we'll talk to Chugger here in about, uh, I want to say, 20, 25 minutes from now. We'll have Quick Sticks, uh, a different-sounding Jimmer for something else, Brad Challoner, and, of course, our Stampede Stallion of the Week, which will come up here momentarily. I must say, Bradley, I'm feeling uh, a little bit cynical today for some reason. Uh, a couple of things have just kind of taken taken me back, and um, I'm going to try and stay positive, but I may rub a few folks the wrong direction here today because there's some things have just kind of gotten under my skin a little bit, and I, I, I think I need to air that out. How is it going with you? I am prepared
2: to dust off the soapbox for you and present the platform. I hope to hear your catchphrase, Eastern honk (laughs) delivered in the most vicious
1: form. I know
2: when you you drop that line, I know it's business time. It's been quite a week, man. I thought you were going to say you're feeling cynical because QMFM started playing Christmas music. People are putting their lights up. You know, it's been freezing cold here in Vancouver. People are starting the Christmas shopping now, like tis the season, mm. even though we're still all on uh, some sort of form of lockdown, but we're here with you nonetheless. Yeah, but it was been a, it's been a weird week. All the things we're going to talk about today, it's been a very lacrosse week, um, and that means that shit has gotten a little hectic. Um, things have gone in different directions. There are hot debates to be talked about. There's an interview you want to talk about um, of Mr. Coates talking on a on a on a talk radio station in the Aga region about the Junior A oh um, age decision. There's the there's the six v six world lacrosse rules that came out this week. There's uh, the NLL claiming they're going to change the nets. Oh there goodness. is the Six Nations Chiefs, which franchise which may be in jeopardy. Yeah. Like if this wasn't a week of lacrosse headlines, I don't I don't know what was. But they're all sort of in the negative or in the polarizing very polarizing scope and there is there's not a lacrosse debate or a lacrosse story if it doesn't have two ends of the spectrum the historic spectrum and the the people that are trying to modernize the game but there's there's lots to just talk about man so where do you where do you want to start you want to start with some good news like we've got a logo in fort worth and a name in fort worth like do we do we start there
1: i think we do uh i mean i Man, you you talk about a crazy week. Like I I just finished up grocery shopping. I've had quite quite the weekend, Brad. I uh, my fridge died on Friday. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but my fridge was still working, but essentially my freezer stopped working on my fridge. So got into a bit of a mad scramble on on Friday trying to track down a fridge because I had just gone grocery shopping. Uh, oh, yeah, you don't want to spoil the milk yeah. and, the, uh, and the you eggs. know, like full box of chicken, frozen chicken. And, and I'm like, man. So hopped on, on Facebook uh, Marketplace. I learned a hard lesson this weekend, Brad. I figured all fridges were, were standard size. Uh, this I know now to not be the case. Got a fridge uh, off of Facebook Marketplace, picked it up pretty close to home, paid a couple hundred bucks for it, brought it back, had to take off my front door to get it in my apartment. Only to find out that it would not fit in the space allotted for my fridge in my condominium uh, return think- the return the listen to this man <laughs> returned uh, the, I'm just the, imagining going
2: are you kidding yeah me right
1: I was now. I was not in a, a good frame of mind uh, it was a good thing I was by myself let's say that uh, called the the young lady back who who sold me the fridge and let her know my predicament only to have her say you're not returning the fridge to me I'm keeping Too your bad. money yeah so, uh, the, you know, and, and still my problems were not solved. So, I had to go find another fridge. Get rid of the fridge that I, you know, what I did? I just took it back to her place and dropped it on her front steps and, and drove away. Is what I did.
2: And took the two hundred dollar loss.
1: Yep, I did. Yeah. So and
2: you don't have a truck. So where were you? How are you? Uh, out of the old CRV
1: with a little bungee cord action uh, slid in there. So then, so then I had to go find a new fridge. Got rid of the old fridge. Got a new fridge. Uh, which turned out to be actually a nicer fridge for a cheaper price. But still, I, I learned to, you know, a, bring a measuring tape is the lesson learned uh in, in this experience. So I was off to a pretty rocky start. I also had, a like, an old man yell at me in the supermarket for, for dropping a, a wrapper that missed the garbage can that I didn't know. Like, he... So I was I was having <laughs> I was having a pretty rough go. But I you know, I did some uh some formatting here in the apartment, got rid of the the old big T V, got this new fridge in, did some changes around the place. So things turned out okay. I went and played lacrosse last night in the freezing cold. You mentioned it being cold, and uh that was ill advised. So the next time like I that you hear me say, like I'm gonna go, tell me not to do that because my body today is is not in a good place. So anyways that was that was kind of my weekend in a nutshell there and uh you're right lots to lots to talk about here on on EP106. that's why we're only having one guest uh, because I think quarter three and quick sticks is going to be rather. Detailed and long, which uh, which I'm totally cool with. And I know we're going to have a great conversation with Steve Dietrich as well. But you mentioned the NLL finally has uh, a name for its 14th franchise down there in Fort Worth, Texas. North Texas, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. But the new name here, Bradley, is, is not Fort Worth. It is the Panther City Lacrosse Club. A uh, bit of a curveball there coming from Bill Cameron and Greg Bibb uh, and, and the Panthers. Did not expect that, but what is your initial reaction here to the to the newest name of the 14th franchise, Panthers City Lacrosse Club? Lot to chew on here. Jumbo, lot to chew
2: on. We've got the name. We've got the logo It's going to take some getting used to as far as the name goes. Obviously, there's a couple uh, PLL fans around the organization, maybe a couple soccer fans around the organization. It is different because the 13 other teams do not reference themselves in that lacrosse club sort of way, right? So Mm. uh, for one team to kind of go and fly right is is a little awkward to me. And and how does that going to sound like? We're just you know yeah. we're kind of just before yeah, like, we've wait, gone on air here, here practicing doing play by play and is like Panther City transitions across across the, across the floor, um, Panther City moving the ball up in transition, uh, scores <laughs> Panther City make it two to one over the Saskatchewan Rush. Yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, they're they're doing their own thing, Panther City. Anybody outside of Texas is probably like, where the hell is Panther City? So I think that might be a little bit of a challenge for them, but it's just going to take some getting used to. I, I like creative thinking, so I'm not going to shit all over this. But I like creative thinking, so yeah, and kind of and cool, it's from, cool.
1: from all accounts, uh, kind of out of the box thinking kind of guy is Bill Cameron, and it's different. Uh, like you said, the low the logo, I actually really like. I like the color scheme. Um, the secondary logo was super cool. It's kind of—I don't know if it was intentional or not—but it's kind of in the shape of a lacrosse head, and it's like the open mouth of the panther with the fangs coming down. Uh, so I don't know. If we that... should
2: provide some. We should provide some context and some history first, though, for what yeah, Panther right. City yeah. Pan- is. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain. So me. Panther City is a nickname for Fort Worth, given to them by someone from the city of Dallas back in the 1800s, because Fort Worth was this sleepy town back then, as someone from Dallas said, Fort Worth is so sleepy, you could have Panthers walking through downtown and no one would blink an eye. Uh, but what, what Fort Worth did then was then took that and turned that into their mascot and their logo and their city sort of rallying cry. Downtown Fort Worth is covered in Panther statues and people in that area know it as Panther city. So they're really tapping in to hone in on the local aspect of being called Panther city. Yeah. Uh, yeah which logo, I like, which I like yeah, the, the logo grew on me at first, at first glance, I thought it looked very similar to the San Diego seal logo right down to the purple and the whiskers and the sort of mean, uh, evil Panther, the mm. evil seal, if you will. Yeah. But when you step back, I really dig the shield around it out shaped as the Alamo at the top and as the Texas North star, I do like the color scheme. It's not it's not purple and orange like Halifax. It's not, uh, you know, the purple and teal of the old Rochester. It's not the purple and gold. It's a little bit of purple and red, and I can't wait to see what the jerseys look like. Are they silver going to be in there black too, with a smash of, with a splash of pur- purple and red and silver. Or are they going to be a purple jersey with a splash of the opposite? Like it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, I think some options there. So yeah, I there. step back. Like I like, I like how they tie it back locally. That's that's what this is this is what it's all about for me is you gotta get that local fan base grow lacrosse in that area. And Panther City with a nice Texas shield with the Alamo and the North Star kinda does that for me. So if I would be feeling a lot of pride if I was from the Lone Star State.
1: And it looks like it's gonna be like a a bit of a soccer theme. They're kinda doing a chant there a little bit at the end. They have the scarves, which I think they're gonna make a staple of uh of their franchise kind of thing as well and man one of the big takeaways i had from that brad was dickie's arena my goodness is that thing ever pretty and and state-of-the-art uh screen there and i really like the color scheme a lot and i think uh they they got a lot to work with there as far as options go with their jerseys and, and merchandise and stuff so Pretty cool there as uh, Panther City Lacrosse Club. That's going to take some getting used to, but uh, there it is. There's the name, and I guess the next thing now is uh, we saw Bob Hamley. The hammer was down there along with, uh, with Nick and Jessica and – the ownership group and everybody, uh, coaching staff will be coming up next year for Bob Hamley. He's he's the GM, and now he's got to get a coaching staff in place. And lots of names kind of swirling around on on who it might be. We know Darius applied for the job, didn't get it, but uh, we're hearing a couple other prominent NLL uh, former superstars uh, being bandied about for that job as well.
2: Yeah, so there's a Twitter account now at Panther City Labs, yep. So they're going to be starting to get active on there. Um, yeah. Like I said, like, let's keep the momentum, keep the momentum going. Let's see some jerseys in the next week or month leading up to, they, they got to have some merch before Christmas. Like, come on, release your jerseys, get your hats and your t-shirts out for the holiday season. I think that's a must. And then, yeah, we're we're hearing maybe early 2021 for a coaching announcement with some of the names that are being tossed around there. And then we're going to be hopefully getting into, depending on how the world goes, getting into training camp and expansion draft kind of news. So uh, it's all it's all coming together, man. It feels like this was a, a, a long time in the future for this team to get going, but yeah. now it's like it's here.
1: Now there's a bit of an
2: identity, and I'm excited to see them take the floor.
1: Yeah, and still uh, awaiting. Niksakiewicz continues to tease that a, a 15th team could be announced here in the next uh, couple of months, if not sooner. So... Keep your ears open for that. And of course, we'll break that news here on Lacrosse Classified. Shall that uh, transpire as well? So. Time now, Brad, uh, here on episode 106 for our Stampede Stallion of the Week. Brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They are Canada's largest selection of Wrangler jeans. Men's, ladies, kids, everything from the classic cut, cowboy jeans, premium demon, Georgia straight, stretch, retro, retrofit as well. Colors, sizes, you name it, uh, they got it all right there. Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale since 1966. Store hours up on the website. Stampede.ca, where shopping online, is still shopping local. Christmas coming up, Brad. Never a bad time to hit up Stampede.ca and maybe pick up a couple of Christmas gifts for, for the wife and kids.
2: Hey, and if you're planning a road trip to Fort Worth to watch your favorite lacrosse there team go. one day, there's the place to get outfitted, get your buckles, get your Wranglers,
1: get fitted. Absolutely. It is your pick this week, Brad. You kinda caught me out. I think this uh you kinda caught me off, off guard with this because you've been going, oh guys, I was gonna go but now you've kind of flipped the script on me here and you're going oh no, you're going D No, you're going O D and Chris odorty is your Stampede Stallion of the Week. Tell me why.
2: Clever. I like what you did there. Like what you did there. Thank you. No, there's 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 nothing to predict here. We can do it's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want and pick whoever the (laughs) hell we want. And I'm picking a guy that I've watched closely for seven, eight, nine years now, and that's Chris O'Doherty of your Vancouver Warriors. As I keep it close to home, one of the most underrated defenders in the National Lacrosse League over the past decade. It took him a couple of years and that's why, you know, a, a gamble of a draft pick out of Rutgers, but early lessons working with uh, with Chris Hall and, and Art Webster and the coaching staff with the Stealth back in the day, getting into some big games, seeing some championship type uh, lacrosse his first couple of seasons really helped him. And then to see him develop over the years into a big penalty kill minute guy, a big vocal leader on the bench for the, for the Stealth and the Warriors over the years and heart and soul grinder. And if you look around, as far as American defenders go in the national lacrosse, he doesn't have a lot of peers when it comes to his impact and his longevity over the last 10 or so years. Jumbo, like we're talking Greg Downing, Mm. uh, maybe John Rannigan and like Chris O'Doherty. There's not a ton of guys that have played a lot of minutes as an American defender for a, The better part of a decade he trains hard he plays hard he came up and played summers in the wla showing that he wanted to hone his game and and he learned and picked a lot of brains and has turned him into a fantastic high caliber lacrosse player and one of the best american defenders i'm going to say it of all time
1: you uh, you didn't – I was surprised you didn't drop Kinalyn, New Jersey in there, but that's usually your thing, the city where the Kinalyn, New, New Jer- Jersey.
2: I'll drop Seattle. Like, this is a guy that was driving from Seattle to Burnaby a couple summers ago to to play summer ball on weeknights.
1: Well, that's just that's, it, man. That's dedication, man. That's the difference between a guy like Chris O'Doherty and maybe some other American guys that have tried their hand at box lacrosse that just haven't got to wear – Chris O'Doherty has gotten to, and that's because he cut his teeth playing in the WLA, and and really I classify him, and, and I'm like I'm I, I don't mean to disrespect anybody in this regard, but he's in he's a Canadian trapped in an American body, like he's mm-hmm. the guy that likes to play the Canadian style of game, get in your face, he'll drop the mitts, rough and tumble, and he really worked hard on his craft, starting back in 2010 with the Nanaimo Timbermen. Before getting traded over to Burnaby for the last four or five years, and you're right, driving up from Seattle to play like he's a dedicated guy. And listen, like I, I I've talked to a few other coaches around the National Cross League about Chris O'Doherty when talking about that stealth roster from two, three years ago, Brad, or even four years ago, needing to to kind of blow that thing up, and who would you kind of keep around? Of that roster and Chris O'Doherty was always one of the first names mentioned he's one of those guys that I think would make any team in the league just out of his pure heart grit determination and how hard he plays the game and he's never going to jump off the page at you with with the stat line but man oh man is he ever a gamer and you look at the resume for O'Dorty. Team USA in, in 2015, 2019, and their World Indoor Championships, uh, a nice career with the Denver Outlaws for four, four years, winning the championship in 14. You mentioned 10-year career in the WLA, starting in Nanaimo, a four-year starter at Rutgers, a three-year captain, and now doing great things at East Lake High School, winning the state championship four times as a coach, and doing fantastic things down there has really kind of, kickstarted that whole lacrosse program down there in Washington state, along with Lewis Radcliffe back with the Seattle stars back in the day. Like he is a premier guy, him and Drew Snyder down there doing great work in the Washington state and and Seattle area with, uh, with high school programs down there. So, I think you picked a fantastic guy and and just a wicked dude to have a conversation with mm-hmm. off the floor as well. So uh, very nice pick there, for one. Christopher O D O'Do- I always think of P.A. Freddie when when I think of Odorty and how he used to, Christopher O'Dority. He used to he used to roll off his tongue when he We're was a little interested. Irish yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go, Chris Odorty Welcome to the stable, brother. You are this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. It's my pick next week, Brad, and uh, I think I got my guy selected already, but I'm not going to spoil it for you here right now. Should we get to break? Color me teased. (laughs) I don't know what color that is, but I I, I was never really a good color. I couldn't stay in the lines when I was a kid. Anyways, let's get to break here. And on the other side, general manager of the Buffalo Bandits, NLL Hall of Famer. Steve, Chugger, Dietrich, next. Right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
3: A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this.
1: Jones shoots and he scores!
3: Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games? Loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a
1: shot and he scores!
3: Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995 visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is the GM of the New York Riptide, Jim Veltman. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Class Podcast Network, your go to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse.
1: Welcome back to Lacs Class, episode 106. Into the second quarter, we go. Uh, Jake, Ellie, Brad, Sean are with you, and you just heard from the Vancouver Warriors right there. Nothing's offside. VancouverWarriors.com, at Warriors on the Twitter and Instagram. Brad, we've been talking about this uh, over the last couple of weeks. The Warriors Academy, they're working out of Rogers Arena. They're working out of the LEC. Mitch Jones, Riley Lowen, Matt Beers, Chris Gill, they're all out there teaching the youth of the Lower Mainland the skills of lacrosse and man, every single parent or kid or player that I've talked to that has been a part of this cannot stop talking about how much fun they're having and how good is it just to see people actually playing sports again? Uh, this is going to go on through December and January as well. And I think it's uh, probably time we get a warrior back on the program to, to have them talk about this exclusively. I agree.
2: it's the Raj man. Like I, I want to get back in Rogers arena yeah, don't you want to get back in Roger's arena? I
1: do desperately. Uh, I'd also like to to head back to to Buffalo, New York, and and get inside the Key Bank Center.
2: Bucket list for me, man. That's a trip I have not made yet.
1: Yeah, I've, I've maybe, done, maybe this next man
2: can make it happen for I've me. One done
1: day. it a couple of times. It's a pleasure. And then you got the anchor bar for the wings after, and uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, as we welcome NLL Hall of Famer. He's been waiting for a while here. He's on the pro. He's back on the program. It's Steve Dietrich, uh, Hall of Famer, a career that started back in 1992, ladies and gentlemen, with the Baltimore Thunder ending in 2010 with the Toronto Rock. My goodness. A combined wreck 73 and 54, a 767 save percentage uh, all time. It's Steve Dietrich uh, back on the podcast. Chugger, thanks for doing this once again. Uh, how's things back in Banditland, man? How's it going?
3: Fantastic to be on with you guys. Like uh, I just joked when we first came on, it's always nice to get some Buffalo love on this uh, Western podcast that you <laughs> and Brad and always seem to do. Um, you know, and it's not even that, it's all the all talk, no action that you guys are on. Like Brad somehow's ventured from Vancouver to Georgia, and, and, right. and uh, you definitely stay with with your Saskatchewan guys and we got to get Butler on that to show some bandit love like there there's you never go. any bandit love on any of this stuff at all. We've we've
1: <laughs> had we've had Gertie on a couple of times on the podcast and we're always happy to talk some bandits lacrosse here on Lacrosse Classified. I know you got your tongue in your cheek there. And listen man, I know where my bread is buttered, okay? Like uh if I if I don't pump the rush's tires then uh, I could be looking for work. So figure it out here. Uh let's talk about you though, Steve Dietrich. Uh back. Tell me about 90- 1992 and the Baltimore Thunder and your first year in the National Lacrosse League uh, playing eight games in that uh, inaugural season back with Baltimore. Some of the there some great characters back on that Thunder team as well.
3: Yeah, you know, it's kind of scary when you go over my stats. I I think I played 18 years and it's like 74 and 50 something. It's kind of scary that that's all the all the games that we played. But yeah, back then, you know, I I just finished junior and I think Jeff Gumbar, who was the goalie, wasn't going to go back. And, um, luckily I played my last year in Orangeville and Shane Sanderson knew somebody from Baltimore and that's how I got hooked up going down there. But it was great. You know, I was a 21 year old kid that had never really ever left Kitchener. So to, to leave my mom's skirt to head to Baltimore, Maryland and live by myself was uh, quite an experience, but yeah, they were a great. Bunch of guys, Jeff Jackson, Ricky soul, Jim Hewell's camp. They're a great bunch of guys.
2: What was the trajectory like for a young goaltender back then because even now you know it, it takes time for a goaltender to get their chops in the National Lacrosse League they don't see success until until a little bit later uh, were you thrown right into the fire there as a rookie
3: yeah, you know what? We were lucky that we had a goalie by the name of Tom Mannes who was a veteran of that league. And and I think they brought me in to to be the starter like Gumbar was. But being a twenty one year old kid and, and thrown into the fire, I wasn't ready to assume full time role. And and Tommy Mannels did a great job and sort of took me under his wing and, and the guys were great. But yeah, Brad, it, it's tough. Coming out coming right out of junior and a four by four, um, and get thrown into bigger nets with American shooters, it was definitely tough.
1: And you were you were one of the guys. Uh, Matt Disher, another guy that wore the old uh, field style bucket with the chin guard on there. That was uh, that was quite the look. And I was like watching games from your early years in the league and you were like coming out of the crease and checking guys and running around the turf. You really kind of changed your style and I guess age probably and and a little maturity had something to do with that over your 18 years. But your your style in, in net really kind of evolved and changed over that time.
3: Yeah, I'll say age and some pounds. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Some pounds. I feel pounds ya. you. Stay. I feel ya on you on that. You stay in the crease, but you know what? Um, I started to watch Paddle Tool, and I started to see how Paddle Tool was staying more deep in his net and how was, was having more success. And that's why I changed my style. To be honest with you, I used to like to come out and challenge and and have guys, you know, beat me back on the quick stick a lot. And and Paddle Tool basically changed my style. So um it was it was a style that was working for him and it, it ended up working for me as well
2: what, what's the timeline on that because you were like you were deep in your 30s goaltender of the year at 35 and 36 years old um you know that that success came came late was that right around the same time or the style changed or that happened a little bit earlier
3: no i think brad like um i ended up making a couple all pro teams in the mid 90s in the MILL. so um, and that's back when I was out chasing and, and cutting the angle and stuff. And, and I only really like when you talk about it, I only really when Patty, when Patty came on to Rochester, when I tore my knees up in the late 90s, that's when his style, uh, I saw, started to see his style a little more. And that's when I started to adapt it because he was having so much success. So it was probably right after 98 99 range is when i started to play a lot more deeper in my net
1: which is a little surprising considering that you were the 1997 championship game mvp and, and then you change your style after that you're seeing a couple of years later but then go on to to win the goaltender of the year like you said and, and two more championships in 04 and 06 one with the Nighthawks, two with the Bandits, uh, does one stick out more than the other, or are all three special in their own way?
3: Well, the, the 97 one was was real special. Obviously, a first one in, in that Rochester team, you know, we weren't expected to do a whole lot, and then having to go into Philadelphia and win in Philadelphia, and then, you know, playing the Bandits in, in Buffalo was tough, but so that one was special. Um, I like the fact that you give me credit for '04 and '06. We we lost both of those, but thanks, Jake. Oh my that. goodness!
1: Yeah. I, I'm reading your Wikipedia page here, so yeah. I, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna have to get after somebody about that. The uh, other oh, research department.
3: <laughs> the uh, The 06 one is the one that that really really tears at me because um, you know the coronation came about six hours too early. I guess you could say we had a masterful year, beat the Nighthawks in the, in the semifinals, I believe. And then played um, Gene Ash, Gavin Proud, and the Colorado Mammoth came into our building, and, and we were packed, and everybody was in an orange. And it was like I say, it was going to be a coronation, and they definitely rained on our parade. So, 06 is as, as nice as 97 felt, 06 felt about a million times worse.
2: Well, we've got uh, one of the goaltending greats of all time, Steve Diedrich. We were reading this week that the National Lacrosse League, uh, in a new partnership, might, uh, might be changing up the nets yeah. heading into the, to the next season. Not sure how much you know about this, but it's a new partnership with uh, Wolf Athletics. And some of the rumors we're hearing is that, you know, it might be a little bit more solidified into the ground, so the net's not going to move around, even if someone gets bumped into it. Um, it might get a little bit more rounded in the corners and, and a little deeper and not as, or more taut, I guess, and less, uh, less area for the ball to get stuck. But as a goaltender and as someone who's, you know, deep involved in the National Lacrosse League, um what's your thoughts about about changing changing the nets
3: you, you know i have never heard that um but I, I like it i like the fact like right now our nets they tried to make them a little heavier so they don't move as much they you know at one point they tried to put magnets on the floor or, or little rubber things to try and hold the nets from moving i think they need to find something that the net doesn't fly all over the place when a goalie you know a goalie dives across like Nikki rose comes across hard sometimes and the net turns i think they need to find a way that they keep the integrity and the safety of the players and nobody gets, that. there's no chance a player can get endangered by diving into the crease, but they do need to find a way that they can keep the net somewhat uh, heavier, megged into the ground, something so that, you know, I I think we were involved in a game last year and definitely know Calvi was because, you know, Mouse is one of my best friends and I hear it from him on a Monday where, where a net gets turned and somebody threw the ball over the line, but was it over the line where was, where, where was the net going to be? We yeah. need to figure out something to avoid situations like that.
1: Well, I mean, Dallas Elliott probably increased his save percentage by like seven points doing that on, on the reg, <laughs> no? Like, yeah, Dallas, Dallas was a beauty. He
3: used to like to grab the post, and as he flew across, <laughs> the net would come with him. But yeah, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it indeed. Uh, let's skip ahead here to to the coaching career. And, it, and it's and if, correct me if I'm wrong here again on, on Wikipedia, Steve, but uh, 2010 announced as the Toronto Rock goaltending coach, and it wasn't too long there, a couple of years only before becoming the general manager of the Buffalo Bandits in in 12. What was that transition like for you, going back to Buffalo, you know, from a goaltending coach to a general manager? That's a a pretty big leap um, from one role to another, but going back to Buffalo and becoming the general manager, that had to be like a, a major milestone and thrill for you in your career.
3: Yeah, you know, you both touched on Banditland. Banditland is, you know, everybody's going to tell you their place is the best place to be. Banditland is by far the best place to be in lacrosse. Um, has been since, you know, they came in the league in 92 and they were at the Old Odd. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to get traded there. And, you know, you play in front of sold out places, sold out arenas and fan, the fans are fantastic. So, yeah, it's great. Um, when I retired, Terry Sanderson was quite honest with me. He basically told me, we you can come to camp in, in 2010 but you're probably not going to make it. So we'll offer you this position as a goalie coach. So I took the goalie coach job, worked with Bob Watson, which was kind of an easy job with <laughs> yeah. for, for go, to work with a go goalie. Play. Guy. Go play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just stop the ball like you always have done. But, um, you know, and, and I was luckily in the major series, I was the GM of the Kitchener Kodiaks here, local team. So Are you still bad, the- Steve? Are you still doing that? I well, I, the Kodiak's left Kitchener and went to Colbert. Yes. Of yes. Course. And then I went, I ventured into six nations and was there for two or three years with Dewey and that group. And then I've gone over with Jamie with um, the Oakville Rock. Okay. So, yeah. So I still, I'm, I'm still definitely involved in the summertime, but um, when the, when the Buffalo job came up, it, it was one of those things I didn't really even think about. And one of my mentors here, a local legend, Ian McGough um, reached out and said like, why don't you apply? Like you played there. Um, you know, you had a pretty good run there. You've been a GM, you're a coach in the the league. So I I reached out to them and had a great interview with Scott and then a a good interview with Darius and then an interview with both of them and luckily ended up getting the job.
1: What what was that like, Steve, having to kind of take over from Darius who was holding on to both roles at the time? And I know things went a little sideways and Darius no longer with the Bandits, but what was that transition like when you had to kind of take over i mean a guy that you're friends with and buddies with played with and all the rest of it and now that's your job and not his sort of thing
3: yeah no it, it was great jake to be honest with you because you know i came in with darris's blessing which was great and um you know darris gave me rain I'll, I'll give him that he gave me rain because we made some moves and real quick um to try and change the cult. everybody says culture but we tried to change the culture and maybe get a little younger. Um, and we did that right from the start. So it, it was great because I had Daris' blessing. If I would have come in in a situation where Darius was a little off and didn't really want me in, it would have been a lot more difficult. But, um, you know, it was a great working relationship for sure.
1: Just so you know, um, but- Chugger, sorry, Brad, uh, I just got to, I don't know if you heard that ding or not. That was Krug's Facebook messaging me saying, I can't believe you had Chugger on before you called me. So uh, I said, Hall of Famers only, pal. Once he he might, he might get in one day, but uh, we're here with Steve Dietrich, NLL Hall of Famer.
3: Uh, Krugs is a beauty. He sent me. He sent a couple to our bandits group. He sent some fights the other day, and I responded and said that reminds you. He sent Cox and Probert, and I said that looks a like Krug and Disormal from oh. the late
1: night in the WLA. Hard right hand, Rusty Kruger. I'll give him that.
2: <laughs> Talk about. Um... I'm gonna talk about some of your drafting philosophy or sorry, not drafting philosophy, your general managing philosophy, Steve. Like you've never but you mentioned making changes that first year. And when I look around the league, like you the Buffalo Bandits and yourself are are one of the most bold uh, teams i making trades and making a splash you guys are not afraid to to make decisions that I think that the public might find tough to swallow whether it's leaving guys unprotected in expansion or or going out and making big trades um, you know so where does that where does that philosophy come from because some guys will stay loyal to a fault and they want to ride with the horses that they have in the stable uh, just out of loyalty but it seems like you know if someone's not cutting it with the Buffalo Bandits you can you can make that decision uh, pretty quickly.
3: Well, and it's, they're never easy, Brad, to be honest with you. Um, you know, you, you become, it, it, lacrosse is such a tight-knit group, as you as you guys know. It, you become more than just um, general manager player with these guys. You become friends with them, right? So it's real tough to make those decisions. But I think when we went to the championship, and I don't know the year, when we went to the championship and lost to Saskatchewan, um, we, we met as a staff and said, listen, like, we're close here. So we're, we're not going to do anything. And we kept everybody together. And then I don't think we made the playoffs for the next two years. So I learned from that, like, okay, you're never as, as bad as you think you are and you're never as good as you think you are. And you definitely have to turn over um, players every year. So that's why we've made some bold moves. We've left some players unprotected that probably sh- made, made a lot of people shake their head, but you also got to think long-term, right? Like as a, as a general manager, I'm always trying to think two, three, four years ahead. Whereas a coach you're always thinking about next weekend's game. So it's it's a it's a tough, tough line and sometimes you go the right way and sometimes you go the left way. You just hope that in the long run you have some better ones and you have bad ones. Do
1: you think the N L L is is really unique in that regard, Steve, that a team can literally go to the championship game, even win a championship, and the following year could miss the playoffs. And it could be two years before they get back and they can then go on a five-year run and make in the playoffs, but never winning. It seems to me like it's such a fine line between winning and losing in this league and you're never really that far away. But some general managers, coaches, owners, what have you, don't have that patience or they are quick to on the trigger. How hard is it sometimes to just stay the course knowing that, yeah, we might've gone just under 500 that year, but we feel like we're just a player or two away.
3: Oh, incredibly hard. Like, like I just mentioned, our team that lost to Saskatchewan, we brought everybody back and then don't make the playoffs or the team. When we lost to Calgary, we go out and lose, you know, Jordan Durston in Calgary was our best player. And Sean Evans, Sean Evans was our emotional leader, and we lose both of them um, strictly because we're trying to make decisions that we think is going to help the team in the long run. So it, it, they're incredibly tough decisions. And you're right, the, the parity in our league is is amazing because you can go from being the best team in the league to being out of the playoffs. And there's no other league really... like
1: that, like the, the NBA or NHL, NFL. Like you, I haven't seen that in any other pro league, really.
3: No, you'll see sometimes you'll see slow declines, or you'll see slow got teams on the uptick. You don't ever see very rarely. Will you ever see a team go to the, ch- from the championship to out of the playoffs two years in a row. So, you know, that's the great thing about our league, but I guess it also can be a bit of a hindrance when you're the GM. That's on the team. That's out of the playoffs. <laughs> two years
2: in a row. Steve, you're, you're busting our, our manscaped balls off the top of the segment here about uh, being West coast homers. But when you look at the draft list of the recent years, like the bandits are never afraid to come West, whether it's a, a chase Fraser, um, I think there's a couple, Brad McCauley this oh, Tony year. Tony Malcolm,
1: Canesnikoff, uh, yeah, it goes Brandon, on. Yeah. Brandon
2: Goodwin, yeah. You guys have never been afraid to come West, and I want to talk about uh, Sam LaRue. He guys moved up before taking this draft. This is a Western kid. who's going to be playing college uh, college football in, in southwestern Ontario. Brad And then playing pro, la- playing, playing pro lacrosse on weekends. Um, what do you see in big Sam LaRue that, that made you want to jump up and make a move to take him?
3: You know, first off, shout out to um, – you know, my boy, Robbie Buckin. he is, uh, I'll be honest, I don't get a chance to see these kids live. Um, none of them, none of the guys that we've drafted have I ever seen live. A lot of wow. video, lots of tape, you know, watching all kinds of games on, on, uh, you know, the WLA network, listening to both of you guys a lot during the broadcasts. But um, when when Rob, when Robbie Buckin tells me that it's a guy, I trust him. Like he's, he's my guy out West. Um He's never let us wrong. Whether yeah, he hasn't missed, has he? Like he has no, a yeah, pretty good track is, record. Or Brandon Goodwin who turned into Mitch to Snoo or Tony Malcolm this year Brad McCauley like Bucky doesn't miss uh, to jump to Sammy LaRue you know another shout out to to Neil Doddridge Neil Doddridge he wasn't really on our radar um, Dodzi reached out to me and reached out to JT to, to basically we should start investigating this guy and and um, you know we had some conversations with him he seems like an incredibly bright kid yeah uh, you know six foot four six foot five. Uh, quarterback at Western sort of stood out to me, Western, you know, you guys I'm sure know college football in Canada. Western is one of the premier programs. And if, and if they're bringing a kid in from the West, got to have some, brains to, Western, right? have some yeah, brains to play and, quarterback,
1: right? Got to have some brains to play they, quarterback.
3: He must be something special. And and I look at a kid like Rob Hellier, who I, I was part of Toronto when, when they drafted him as an 18 year old, they put in, they put some time into him, realizing that he's probably not the finished product. And, you know, you're always taking a chance drafting an 18-year-old kid, but you think that there's promise there. Toronto hit a home run with Rob Hellyer. We think that if we can put some time in and develop Sammy LaRue, that that um you know he can be a special player he may start out the back door like like dane did when dane, we drafted dane in the first yeah, round people but forget that we, we, mitch yeah, jones he, yeah a lot mitch, of yeah, guys. Mitch Jones, we definitely think that that sammy's got a chance to be a real special player as long as he continues along the track that he's on
1: yeah people forget that dane smith mitch jones these guys are now like prolific top 10 scorers in the league starting their career in a transition role as we speak with Hall of Famer Steve Chugger-Dietrich. Um, last one for me, and, I, and I'll throw one, a little bit of a curveball off the board here for you. A lot of chit-chat and, and you being involved with Oakville. This kind of impacts you in, in senior lacrosse, and and I don't know where you come out on it, Steve, but tell me what you think about this whole Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League proposing going to 22-year-olds for their final year of junior regardless of what the rest of the country or even junior b or junior c do in the province of ontario they're prepared to cancel the minto cup they're prepared to change the rules to nll rules to satisfy themselves and play junior a lacrosse with 22-year-olds what where do you come out on all this
3: you know you know what jake i i have an opinion and i don't i don't want to speak too much about it because i I'm not as informed as probably you are. Um, I, I sat at the uh, OLA meeting on the weekend when it was voted upon and, and all that, and I listened to arguments on both sides. I, I think they should leave it the way it is. And after 21, you graduate and you move into senior C, senior B, major, whatever it is. That's the way I think it should go. You know, they talk about so many kids that graduate at 21, then really don't have anywhere to play. And, and my concern is, well, for all the kids that graduate at 21 that maybe don't have anywhere to play, if you make it 22, what happens to all the kids at 16 that are now going into to junior that aren't going to have a place to play? And, and you know, they'll say, well, they'll reinvent intermediate and, and I just don't buy it. Yeah. So I, I'm, hap- I'm happy with the way they're leaving it status quo. I think there's lots of places for kids that want to play, that graduate junior. And a lot of the kids that graduate junior that want to play will play. A lot of the kids that don't want to play, they're gonna they're gonna quit anyways. The group that concerned me was the 16-year-old because if they don't play junior, a lot of them don't want to play intermediate and they quit. Yeah. And, and listen, this is gonna come across bad, and I don't want it to. But I'd rather keep a 16-year-old that wants to play five years of junior than keep a 22-year-old that wants to play one last year of junior and then quit. No, I just, so
1: that's, no, just bang <laughs> that's on. that sounds on. smart, not not bad, mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Are you good, Brad? <laughs>
2: I know. Well, last one, because you you didn't ask this, Jumbo. You usually get this out of the, out of the oh, Hall yes. of Famers Thank you. that we've been having on. Chugger, one, uh, one person who's not in the Hall of Fame right now uh, that you'd like to see in the Hall of Fame, and you are a member of 2012, so you're going to get yourself a vote uh, here. I don't know if it's already happening or, or probably coming up pretty quick, but someone not in the Hall of Fame right now, excluding John Grant Jr. and Colin Doyle and the no-brainers. Even Sean but, Williams. Uh, don't
1: put Sean Williams in there either, because that's an easy cop. All three of those guys, no-brainers. So pick, well, pick another
3: guy that we haven't mentioned yet, guys. It's it, I'm going to give you a bit of a long winded answer, and, and I'm sorry for doing this. It, it's tough because you know you have Junior, you have Willie, you have Doyle. There's no doubt. My opinion, you have Casey Powell, no doubt. You have Mark Steinhouse, no doubt. But there's there's just five names, and I don't know if you can put them all in 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 year one. So I'm going to go more to the defensive end because those are the guys that don't ever get any
1: credit. I'm going to give you two names. Enough goalies in there too. Hey, like we already got enough goalies. Well, I
3: I don't know how many guys are in there, Jake. I think there's 24 (laughs) in and I think five or six of them are goalies. So yeah, we're okay. But, um, you know, I'm going to look at Billy D Smith, who is to me, a no brainer. When we had him in Buffalo, it was near the end of my career. It was at the beginning of Billy's career. Billy was like the eraser. He's, he's that that years, those years, he's like Kyle Rubish is now. But yeah. if you tried to go down the wall on Billy D, you might as well just drop the ball and roll it <laughs> in
1: the corner because he's going to take it from you. Anyways. And you weren't coming in the middle on him either. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Billy, uh, Billy wasn't tepid when
3: it came to laying out some punishment. So Billy definitely is to me a slam dunk, and he's going to get in. Yeah. But I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw one out there for Patty McCready. Um, he's, he's my guy. He was always my roommate in Rochester and my roommate in Buffalo. And, he, you know, he did all the little things before the little things were trapped. He did loose balls. He was the guy that caused turnovers. He could score on breakaways. He got the ball out of trouble with his speed. He was phenomenal in the room. He played on our man short. He played on our loose ball team. And he fought any, any of the other players, tough players. Yeah. So, to me, Patty McCready is a, is a guy that, in my opinion, is a slam dunk. And I hope he eventually gets in. But uh, yeah, Billy D and Patty are, are definitely the two guys that I would go to bang for.
1: I can dig Mike, it, Mike. I can dig Mike it. Mike
2: French. Mike French told us on this program about a month ago that the first, the next class is looking like three offense players, three defensive players. So I think, uh, I think Billy D. I don't know. I can't remember Jumbo if they said with the retirement. Yeah, yeah, I don't know I the window.
1: You have to be years, out. But he, uh, is Stano's even retired be. yet? Like is he? Like is he? I don't.
3: I don't know. <laughs> that's a tough one you know because because mark i you know mark i'm sure he thinks he can still play yeah. and if there's one guy at his age that i think can do it other than jt because jt definitely thinks he could still come back and play <laughs>
1: um, it, i think he, he know, could he, too man like you well, know I, what's he getting I, I said this uh to stroopy last week like get him out on the power play only and he's probably getting what 30 points
3: but there's lots of nights in Buffalo where I look, you know, I used to look down, but now I look out and just say like, geez, I wouldn't mind number 11 out there right, the power play right about now. <laughs> right. And I think he could still do it at his age. So yeah. Yeah. they're scary, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what Mark, if he's retired or not. Um, I think he could still play. So who knows, but he definitely deserves to get in and, and Brad, you touched on three and three. I think that's the way they want to go. And, and that's the thing that's tough, right? Cause you have so many offensive studs that deserve to be in and, and, you know, we, we and when I say we, I'll, meet, I'll call the Hall of Fame, we messed this up for such a long time. You know, Bob Watson's the best goaltender I, I had ever seen, and, and he, he deserved to go in by himself. But then, you know, the next year I went in and then Patty went in, we definitely should have had other players going in those years, and now we've taken a hiatus. So we we backed ourselves up that some players now are going to feel slighted because they didn't get into this group. That definitely deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, and, and I hope they understand it has nothing to do with what we think of them or who they are. It's just we can't put in 11 guys into this class. That's all.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Like, why not? Like, that the way I look at it is if we've been off that long and there's that many guys that deserve to get in, maybe for one year we just do it, man. Like, just get in and then we start to spread it out again. I don't know. But uh, you're right. Like, you go back through the 35 years of history and there's – like, 20 guys that probably deserve to be, like, it was such a hard thing to get into the Hall of Fame that guys just got passed over and then never got considered ever again.
3: Yeah, and it, well, two things on that, Jake, is it the more people you put in, I think you lose the luster. I guess, I think, yeah. You know, because if you have a, you have a presentation, you have 11 people walking up on stage, I know. you just, you lose your luster a little You're bit. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it used to be that you were on the ballot for two years, and if you didn't get seventy-five percent, that was it. You didn't get in, and once you're off the ballot, you never got back on the ballot. Yeah. So there's so many guys like Troy Cordingly and Kurt Molowski and Rick Soul, you know, Casey Powell, Burgie, like guys that deserve Finneran, to be yeah. in. Kevin Finneran, good point that that should be in and will be in. Um, it's gonna it's take some because, time. Yes, because of the way it used to be um there's just messed up but Mike French and the guys are doing a great job now and, and they understand the problems of the past and things have been righted so I'm real excited about it
1: well you got in and there's no taking you back out Chugger uh congratulations on being a hall of famer looking forward to seeing what the bandits got in store for 2021 and appreciate you doing this man looking good and always a pleasure to talk some lacrosse with you Guys,
3: it's it's fantastic to be on here. Like I said, I don't very, very often get to come on these things. Brad has on All Talk, No Action. Brad's gone to Georgia. I know. So am I coming to you, Jake? Like, are you leaving Saskatchewan to show the Bandits some love? Hey. Or, or do I have to call Ashley? Or do I have to call <laughs> Teddy? Like, I
1: don't, I don't, I don't, I bandits, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, just keep keep Kruger in check for me and, and everything will be okay. Perfect. Thanks, guys. It
3: always is a pleasure.
1: Talk soon. That was Steve Dietrich right there. Hall of Famer class of 2012, Brad. And uh, man, 18 years in the National Lacrosse League. A few stops along the way for Chugger. But man, what a career and, and real fun goaltender to watch play the game as well.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked him about the about the field bucket because that is the visual that comes to mind when you do when you do picture him in the net back in the day. Uh, two-time goaltender of the year, Hall of Famer, and now doing great things as a general manager. I said he's he's not he's one of the most entertaining GMs from the standpoint as you know, he's he might go off the board to to draft somebody, he's gonna come out west. He's going to make trades that people might go, whoa, wait a second, you know, like a Cluchier and this is them the deals he's made and, and letting Corey Small go in free agency this this offseason. And you know he's he's made moves and not afraid to make tough decisions and, and we like those kind of guys. So fantastic
1: chat with another ledge class of twenty twelve. Again, like just half an hour of conversation just whipped by there. Like it that just flew by. Uh hopefully it did for you, the listener as well. Hopefully you enjoyed that we got quarter three coming up on lax class 106 quick sticks is what we'll do there stick here lacrosse flash podcast network we're back after this
2: associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment Associated labels and packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
3: Hey, this is Dan Richardson, GM of the Vancouver Warriors.
1: You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Quarter three, Quick Sticks, EP 106. Jake Elliott, Brad Chaloner with you. Great conversation there we were just kind of discussing before we came back on here brad like that was a great conversation pretty much every (laughs) hall of famer that we've had so far has been fantastic and i said they're hall of famers for a reason not only because of their gameplay but what they have done after their playing career and how they handle themselves with dudes like us
2: no and you know what and it's well, they're lifers, right? You and I always talk about the, the lifers, and I'm not going to throw any names under the bus, but I was just thinking, there's a guy... We did a, we did a Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame series of interviews yeah. a couple years in a row. You out interviewing all the players that were going into the CLL or the CLA Hall. Yeah. And I'm not going to pick on anybody, but there was a guy that we spoke to who had a cup of tea in the NLL that had a really successful summer career. Was it Newsy and- Lalonde? <laughs> Remember, he had not... He had not thought about the game, watched the game, played the game, since he retired in like the mid '80s right. yeah, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. right? And just had no no opinion on any of the stuff about the game today or any of the players or the changes in the sport. It was just like, no, don't watch, no, no, don't, don't watch. Haven't haven't watched. And like that was it was so frustrating. But it's the guys that are like Jugger and like Darius Kilgore who. And Chugger's always been involved, but like Darius Kulko, even when he's not coaching the National Lacrosse, League, the guy is not far from the sport. Coaching um, at, a, at a youth level, they're giving back, and the lifers are just always around the sport. All their friends are from the sport. They spend their weeks during the summer in a, in a WLA barn or a junior a barn somewhere, you're always around having those conversations. And that what's that's what creates a great lacrosse mind.
1: I, I love the fact, don't let it go dormant. I love the fact that he just throwing you under the bus, uh, about your Georgia love for the Georgia swarm. He's all over me about being a Russian. Like he, he's, he's paying attention now to, to the podcast, to the, to the content. He's, he's on top of He's not a big social media guy chugger, but he's, He's there, lurking in the, in the background. Which, yeah, which I've, like.
2: I've heard I've heard that about Kurt milowski too. It's oh like yeah, you can't find you can't find Mouse on Twitter, but if you say something about the Roughnecks, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> trust, find out. you Kurt going find out that Kurt saw it.
1: I've gotten those texts. I've gotten those texts. <laughs> like, how do
2: you know who's, but, who's sending yeah.
1: you these things? He's user one seven two eight nine four three five. That's yeah, uh that's with cool. an with an. Egg. And his logo. His yeah. logo is an egg face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, that conversation there brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, Canada's largest dealer of Wrangler jeans. They have other things there too, Brad, as we've discussed styles, color, sizes, but boots, hats, belts, buckles, flannel shirts, anything to protect you from Mother Nature's elements, you will find at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. It's got that oil skin collection, the, the duster still kicking around over there at stampede tack and western wear uh and like i mentioned christmas right around the corner we got a good bunch of shout outs in here as well uh associate labels and packaging i happen to be driving past alp today so one of their big trucks out on a delivery as uh i was dropping my my old fridge off at the dump pulled out there was the big associated truck going out making delivery so Shout out to uh, Sean Ashworth and the gang still owes me 20 bucks for that Seahawks win over the 49ers a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to bug him though, because he said he's going to sponsor the program again next year. So I think we'll just call it even on that deal and uh, make sure you're checking out associated labels and packaging family owned focusing on people, ethics and quality. And I can vouch for all of that. Need a label, need a package AssociatedLP.com And Quick Sticks, of course, Brad, brought to you by Manscaped. And uh, I I just Instagrammed a picture. Is that what you say? Instagrammed a picture out? Cyber Monday. Post post. it on the gram. There you go. Hit it on the gram. Uh, Cyber Monday. Not sure how long the deals are lasting, but make sure you use that promo code. lapsclass 20 free shipping, 20% off. And if you hop on there quickly, you still might get some Cyber Monday deals and add to your uh, savings with the promo code LaxClass20. I am literally going to take the weed whacker for for a test drive. I think after we're done uh, recording here, so I'll have some some intel on that after after we're done. But I, if it's anything like the lawnmower, I'm I'm in for a treat.
2: No, the weed whacker is is smooth. You shove that thing right up your nostril, right into the ear lobe. (laughs) I know. I took the I took the mower out yesterday, and uh, it looked like I murdered a bear on the on my bathroom floor. But just I I always say it's like a it's like a hot hot knife knife through butter. Yeah, it's just just. But then you know, I don't know if you want to mention like hot
1: knives going anywhere near.
2: If it's a Manscaped hot knife, I'm willing to take okay. that risk. Okay,
1: and they got the revitalizer. They got the, the crop uh, crop duster. They got the foot powder. They, I mean... Good boxers, briefs too. Yeah, and, and to add on to it, and I mentioned this before, it's USB chargeable. They got the LED light, and it's waterproof. So, you know, when you're trimming your bare fur off, you don't need to do it, like, onto the floor. Just do it right in the shower, down the drain it goes, and you're off and running. Ladies, you want to get your guy cleaned up. Do it for Christmas, and and he will thank you. His balls will thank you. You'll thank his balls, and, and balls are going to be happy. So, Lax Class 20, promo code, free shipping, 20% off. Use it, enjoy it, and then uh, thank me later. As we get into quick sticks, and right off the top, I want to give another shout-out. I, I like to do this every few months. Sakani, my man, MC Sakani. Uh, providing the beats for the rejoiners and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so shout out to him, and of course Tribe Called Red, who who vo- or have our intro music. Uh, so shout out to those two guys. And while we're on the shoutouts, I want to give a shout out to a, a real loyal listener, Brad. He's so engaged um, on social media with us, and that's Casey Dolson. He's always he's always tweeting at us and saying how he loved the program, and he you know wants this guest and all that. So I just want to give a shout out to Casey because he's like one of the most positive dudes I, I follow on Twitter and I just appreciate the love he sends our way every week.
2: Yeah, it is super positive. He's always out there having like late night walks, which inspires me to get off my ass sometimes mm. when I'm just uh, sitting on the couch at eight o'clock at night on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to give a shout out too because I don't do it, do a ton of these. Um, my wife was working the other day at the brewery in Ladner and you know, she's, 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 um, Starts talking to someone there who had, she didn't know if it was a warrior's hat or a stealth hat. So that's how much attention she's paying sometimes, (laughs) but she knew it was lacrosse hat. And she's like, Hey, lacrosse guy, blah, 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 blah. You know? And and then they started, they started shooting the shit. Anyways, turns out um, the guy was a big fan of this podcast. Oh, Brad, Brad and Jake. He's listening to those guys all the time. Love them. And she's like, well, you know, Brad's back on the podcast with Jake now. Right. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to come back and listen. She didn't get his name. But he's a Ladner dude, long-time lacrosse fan, and used to be a supporter of the show. Okay, Hopefully now returning to a supporter of the show. So if you're listening, buddy, uh, appreciate the love, and thanks for coming back.
1: Maybe it's Kelsey Braid. No, probably not. Uh What else do we got here on Quick Sticks? we got a number of things. Uh, Clearview Crushers. See this, Brad? Senior B with a little expansion back in Ontario. The Clearview Crushers will be joining the Senior B loop. So that's that's a good sign. New team there. Back East in Senior B, we'll keep an eye on those guys. Some tough news to to share here. In Sean Bowden, uh, Gordy Bowden, who is a goaltender, of Junior Adnex now, I believe plays Senior B. G. Money, also a member of the Beer Hunters uh, field lacrosse team, his father succumbing to cancer last week. So my thoughts and condolences go out to to Gordy and the Bowden family. Some tough news there uh minor trade in the National Lacrosse League Brad tell me where you come out on this Joel Tinney now a member of the San Diego Seals and Johnny Pearson local product uh, now a member of the New England Blackwells, former Buckeye Johnny Pearson Pearson for Tinney what do you think on
2: paper on paper uh I like Johnny Pearson's NLL career to date more than more than Joel Tinney Is Joel Tinney one of the rare cases of Canadian player better at field Mm -hmm. lacrosse than he is at box lacrosse he's Mm -hmm. been in the pll he had a great career at hopkins but uh couldn't get his foot in to a real full-time gig in the national lacrosse they just five games with georgia in the last couple years got traded to uh new england didn't get into the lineup for any games this season and johnny pearson who's battled some injuries the ohio state university former langley junior thunder former uh junior belly as well uh, you know, he had a great promise coming into the league. He wasn't going to make it as an offensive guy right away. So San Diego has been playing him out of the back gate. I think he's got a shot of playing some offense with the New England Blackwell. So God. I like this for Pearson. San Diego thinks they can make a transition player to Joel Tinney. Uh, that'll be a wait and see project. But, you know, I, I almost see Joel Tinney as an American player. And to, to to go back to working with Pat Merrill and, and get into that organization could be a good, good fit for the Tin Man, so yeah. I like this trade. I like this trade.
1: Two completely different players, uh, exactly, but, right? but I think uh, some, some positive movement for both those guys, and I think Johnny's kind of made his life back East, which may have, have played a factor in, in that deal as well. And change com- of scenery. Yeah, change, coming change off of that scenery, injury. Can always be good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a fresh start for both those guys is just what the doctor ordered. I put a poll up on Twitter. Uh, I, I had a fan just kind of pushed this past me about Man Cup versus the NLL Cup and who, what players would want to win what more. And I said, you know, like a decade ago, I think it's the Man Cup, no doubt about it. But now I think if you ask the Senior A or an NLL player which cup they want to win more, I think it's a little bit closer to being even between winning an NLL championship or a Man Cup. So I posted that that pull up on on twitter on lax class and man cup won pretty convincingly now you know i asked for for players to be voting on this i'm not so sure that's the only people that were voting on it so i don't know quite how to take that vote but i think that where i'm going with this is i think that the the margin of what people would have said Ten years ago to what they would say now has changed quite a bit. What do you think?
2: Well, not according to your poll, it hasn't. Unless we're just saying that the poll is is. Well, nonsense. I mean, this could be listeners and
1: fans and people that don't even play could be voting on this, whether they would well, want... I think it's kind of always... There's been
2: parts of this that's always been like this, but I think the perception is that the Man Cup can be purchased to an extent where the National Lacrosse League with the salary cap league and with the way the league is structured, you can't just go and purchase a a National Lacrosse League team. You can have the brilliant mind of Derek Keenan and assemble a team that is dominant every single year, um, but you can't buy that team. Uh, And and, and in summer lacrosse, unfortunately you can, you can buy a man cup winning team if you're Peterborough and six nations, maybe not going forward. Um, You know, that's why Maple Ridge has just kind of been at the cusp there. They haven't had, the dollars that Peterborough has to get right oh, over Victoria. the. So I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's all that. Victoria, um, yeah, they they spend a lot of money, and they're they, they're certainly champions. Um, uh, it is certainly. But, so that's the that's the
1: perception for me. It's certainly more difficult to win the Man Cup, and that's solely from the fact that you played through the regular season, and then you're looking at three best of seven yeah you're also
2: i think that probably plays into it if people are thinking what's what's tougher to win as far as a seven game series but that's not
1: the question country what would you rather win yeah what would you rather win like what would mean more to you and like i think about that i've never won either but i think 10 years ago i would have said man cup and now as canadian and as proud of the history and all the rest of it as i am i think i'm saying nll Yeah, no no question for me. I'm saying NLL. We did see a couple write-in votes for Minto,
2: so I I find I find that interesting. Like they're talking about tough to win because you only get a Um, window to win the Minto. Yeah, there's a window to win a Minto, and it's junior and it's your buddies and it's uh, everybody you grew up playing
1: with, right? It's all your friends and all the rest of it. So that's uh, that's a little bit different, but interesting debate. And I I just think as time goes on, you're gonna see that curve kind of sway towards the NLL side. I just, I think that's the way. A few more things here on Quick Sticks. T-Birds doing some fantastic things here, Brad. Inclusion and empowerment program led up by Chet Kinesny, uh, including the Black Lacrosse Players Alliance, the Indigenous Players Alliance, uh, doing great things back there in Halifax. Just this program just kind of getting off the ground here, but listening with chet talking on otcb with teddy last week man this guy's got it figured out and this is a fantastic initiative put forward here by the t-birds
2: they're walking the walk and it's actionable and they're proving that what they're doing and showing that hey we're gonna have conversations we're gonna making it back in the community they're not just you know putting out a putting out a retweet and and not backing it up uh it's huge it's huge and you know, it begs the question for me when the work that they're doing with Turtle Island, you know, why aren't other teams, particularly the team that the, the two guys who run Turtle Island play for, aren't working as closely with Turtle Island quite yet? Um I find that kind of interesting that that, that it's Randy Stotts and, and, and Brendan Bombury working with the Halifax Thunderbirds, which is awesome. But let's get the, let's get that involved with, with other teams. But Kudos to, uh, to Halifax for walking the walk and talking the talk. They're they're really leading the charge and it's great
0: to see.
1: Yeah, you. some really good things are gonna come out of this. So stay tuned to that. And um I can't wait to see see all the great things that come out of that program and initiative there by the T Birds. I'm gonna save um the logo thing for, for another week, Brad, because I think that's like a pretty heavy conversation that needs its kind of own runway there. So I'm gonna save that one. But uh, you mentioned this to to Chugger and Wolf Athletics signing a five-year partnership with the National Lacrosse League, and we kind of caught wind, like they're talking about re almost reinventing the lacrosse goal here a little bit. And I'm a little excited, and I'm also a little trepidatious about some of the talk, like they're they're thinking about making this more into looking like a hockey net and tightening up the nets and. Uh, I thought something that was really cool coming out of it, they're going to try and put cameras in in the posts and, and maybe try and find a way to keep these things on its goal line a little bit better. But uh, I, part of me is all for it. Like the cameras and all that sort of stuff. But part of me also thinks like, don't change things just for the sake of changing them. Like, I don't know if the wheel is broken, so to speak here. And, and, you know, like, trying to put dimples on a lacrosse ball, like, I, it's unnecessary. So I I really hope they tread lightly here, and, and I'm excited to see how this plays out, but I'm also a little nervous to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad it's a, it's a five-year partnership, so we know it's not going to just be this flash in the pan, uh, here one season, gone the next. Like, there's a chance that this thing is going to have – have legs yeah sign me up for the technology if we can get some cameras on the goals and and maybe some stats of shots that go off the goal or 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 what have you bring bring that on too because i think that'll be great there's rumors that the net might be a little uh more tight or taut Yeah I, I guess I, Which I don't I why? don't think we need Because there's already times Where a ball can hit a uh, Hit a top shelf And come in and out In a flash And and we're already Reviewing that So I don't know I'd rather see the ball Kind of just get in the back of the net And then just sink and stop there And then you know A goal is a goal We're not We're not getting confused And playing on But yeah, like okay, let's let's see how it goes. It's it like even Steve Dietrich hadn't heard about it yet. So I think we're we're in very early stages, very early days of how this is going to look. The team and the and the the teams, the players, and the competition committee have to get their hands on this and help design uh, the kind of the net of the future. So let, let's see what they come up with. Speaking, I'm glad the National Lacrosse League is in five years deals with with partnerships. Yeah, uh, Kevin
1: Morgan can just continues to crash at the NLL with sponsorships and um, let yeah, like I'm I'm willing and and just like this next topic we're about to bring up here, I'm willing to see how it plays out before I really kind of pass judgment on it. But uh, World Lacrosse coming out announcing the new rules for six-on-six lacrosse at the World Games and some other uh, dates and age group changes, which was a little bit confusing, but U19 essentially going to U20 now, and this six-on-six format, this hybrid game that they have essentially formulated from scratch is really a combination of women's field lacrosse, men's field lacrosse, and box lacrosse all kind of mashed into one. And I've mentioned this before. My biggest fear is it's not going to look like lacrosse anymore. They've taken away face-offs after goals. They've taken away body checking. Uh, it's now six-on-six. Six. There's no long poles. Uh, the field is shorter and smaller. There's going to be a lot of flow. It's going to be high tempo. I think one of the things we need to keep in mind is that this is not just for the major developed countries that are already established. This is for newer... Countries that are, are just picking up the game—that it's going to be easy for them to understand and play, easier for new fans to the game to watch and understand. One thing I really like is that the rules are like ninety percent the same for women and men, which I've been clamoring for for I don't know how long. So, although I'm again, I'm a little, I, I'm a little nervous to see. What this is going to look like, how it's going to be played, smaller rosters, all of this. But I also, I'm excited to see what it actually looks like. And if they've gotten input from the top players in the game to help build this model, then I'm willing to give it a chance. Again, my biggest fear is that we're bending over here for the IOC and it's not going to look like lacrosse anymore, which is my biggest fear
2: well and you're exactly right i think the biggest comparison i hear is for rugby sevens and i'm not i'm not huge into all my olympic sport knowledge um at all so i don't know how rugby sevens even differs from regular rugby but rugby that's what sevens are like, oh, it kind of worked worked for seven for people yeah. are saying that it worked for sevens why can't it work here i've seen a lot of takes this week i saw someone post like you know, great, but like, if someone falls in love with this version of the game, there's nowhere to go play it unless you're with Casey Powell on a beach somewhere. Um, like, it just it's not going to exist, right? So, if you're like an eight-year-old watching the, the summer games, of the Olympics next year, and this year is the only place happens, that they're
1: going to play the six-on-six, right? Right. It's- so you go,
2: hey, that looks fun. I want to go do that. Oh no, wait. The only place I can play in Canada is if I put on a bunch of equipment and go indoors and get the snot kicked out of me for sixty minutes, rather than whatever this version of the game is. I do get the growth and development, because yeah, we might see a competitive Finnish and Swedish and Czech teams out there playing this. If there's only 12 players also six on six free flow, like give the gold medal to the Iroquois nationals right now. I've said that before, like put the Thompson brothers out there and they'll run rampant on the whole freaking globe. But yeah, like lacrosse needs more fragmentation. I think is like a hole in the head. So to me, I, I don't think it's worth sacrificing everything just to get integrity, right? Into world lacrosse and, you know, it's not it's it's not our it's not the sport anymore. It might be a different form of the sport, but it's not what we fans grow up watching and and playing and and wanting to be a part of. So, yeah, I don't I don't get sacrificing it.
1: To here get, here's a tweet from from your Ladner boy Andrew McBride. This yeah, is, it was Brider who said like, where I the see, hell can we where yeah. the hell can we play this? So here here's the quote. Don't get me wrong. This looks like it has tons of potential, but it's just so comical in so many ways. What other sport in the world completely makes up a new version of the game? And that's essentially right. what they've done to get this sport, our sport, lacrosse, the creators game into the Olympics. Is it still the creators game if you've made all these changes? I don't know. But
2: I Well, I, there's an argument to be made that this version may look may even look more like what the creators maybe. game was once upon a time. So that's why I'm willing to wait. And no face up. But, but unless the rest of the world is playing this way, I don't I don't I don't get the point.
1: We'll see. We'll see. I'm willing to, to give it a chance. And that's all yeah, I'm an I'm an
2: optimist, man. Like sign me, I will be watching. Yeah. For sure. I'm not gonna turn my back on and go, that, that ain't my game. I will be watching and, and of interest and hoping that lacrosse takes off on the global scale. But you know, does does the kid playing this version in Japan aspire to be a national lacrosse league player down the road? Uh, probably not. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll and then see.
2: is this? And to me, that's the ultimate goal. We would need to. The, the ultimate goal is to is to get players. And then, to, how to, does that transition? Time living to make a full time living doing this at the professional level. I think that is the for the growth of the sport and the ultimate goal. That's what we, all things have to point towards. And I don't, I don't think this does that.
1: Well, I think maybe we, we try and get somebody on from world lacrosse uh, in the coming weeks and, and talk about it all. Uh, maybe Steve Stenerson, if, if he's willing to come on is he was kind of on the board and the rules committee and, and making up this, uh, this game, maybe Amanda, who knows. Uh, but the other thing I think we need to do is maybe have somebody on from the Ontario junior, a lacrosse league, and maybe, we should have on one Mr. Paul Coates, who I believe is the father of Dan Coates, who is the president of the St. Catharines Athletics Junior A lacrosse team uh, who were scheduled to host the Minto Cup this past summer, and I still believe they are scheduled to host the 2021 Minto Cup. But Paul going on a Ontario Sports Talk radio station with Rod Mahood, I believe... And some of the comments coming out of that interview really, really had me scratching my head going, what is going on back in Ontario? Like how is one of them was that the fact that he said there was only five teams in BC junior a lacrosse, which tells me, and I don't know, Paul, I've never met him. I like Dan a lot. Paul's probably a great guy. And, and again, we should maybe have Paul on to have a conversation but the fact that he said there was five teams in BC when there is eight gives me a pretty clear indication on how disconnected he is from the rest of the country when it comes to junior a lacrosse. And he's yeah. t- and, and some of the things that he was talking about, I'm paraphrasing here, but changing the rules in Canadian summer lacrosse to conform to the NLL, um, canceling the Minto Cup, because it would be, quote, financial suicide. Doing whatever it took to increase the the age limit to 22-year-olds, whether the rest of the country, the CLA, even the OLA, agreed or voted to do it or not, they're just going to do it. Hmm. Like, I, I still can't wrap my head around, what the hell is the point of doing this if nobody else is doing it? Just so you can have... One more year of 22-year-old players playing in your league? For what? Canceling the Minto Cup? Come on. Well, and this is where, again, your your conspiracy theory, this time
2: your conspiracy theory gets shot down this time because your whole theory was that, you know, Saint Catharines is maybe holding on to try to have 22-year-olds because they were going to host the Minto Cup, and they had you know Latrell Harris potentially could still be there for one more kick of the can and and this and that, right? But if they're saying, "Hey, we still want to play with 22-year-olds, even if it may, even if we can't play for the Minto Cup," I don't. Then care. I don't I don't understand what I don't understand why why they're doing that. They think it's for the greater good of the game, but then no one else in, in the country is aligning with that. Um, the science hasn't aligned with that yet.
1: The vote was 52-48. They needed uh, three quarters, like so 75% for the the amendment to get pushed through. It wasn't even close to that. I just, I cannot, this almost seems like this is what they're saying. We are Ontario lacrosse. Do as we say. That's what the message I got from that interview was. We're doing this, and you should do it too, and if you don't, we're going to take our ball and go home and do our own thing. How is that for the betterment of this sport, and more importantly, their athletes, and more importantly than that, this game?
2: He did say that they were working... Closer or closely with the national lacrosse league and looking into cr- adopt a, a four quarter game and, and, and change the rule book, which you and I have both have been saying, sign us up for 100%. Right. So the only thing is maybe that maybe this is them stepping out on the side and saying, you know what, this is the time to align with the national lacrosse league, adopt that rule book, change it to, to under 22 and and go from there maybe that's how they're saying we're going to step out on this but that that wasn't made clear either so, no and
1: i'm so confused There's, there's still I... a lot
2: of confusion there's a lot of fragmentation there's a lot of confusion
1: There is. And, and you're right. I'm all for a unified rule book. And, and again, if everybody's on board with it, unified
2: and right. Everybody on board, Ontario just can't say we're doing this. Everybody follow suit or well, they can, but it doesn't make a mental cup, but it won't be a real mental cup because we're not there.
1: Yeah. Like I, the biggest
2: and best league in the world.
1: Yeah, and, you know, chest puffed out and all the rest of it. Like, it's not a Minto Cup if we're not there. Like, give me a break with that, all of it. So I don't know if we can convince somebody to come on and try and help me explain this. Again, I go back to it. If this pandemic's not happening, none of this is happening. So the fact that you're trying to force something down people's throats because of a pandemic and you want to get these guys one more year, stop it. It's everybody is getting screwed in this deal. Just stop it. It's not the way to go about things. That's my opinion on it. I'm sorry if people get upset with that. And if you want to come at me over it and help me trying to understand what the hell is going on back there. Well, please- we
2: need to have someone on because it's, you know, it's just, it's just sitting here on our own platform with our own opinion on, on the one side of it. I would like to hear some other side. Okay, it. it's just tough to find that real story because it is so... Yeah. It's all over the place
1: so maybe I, I'll effort maybe Paul will come on maybe somebody else will but I, I, I anyways let's wrap on that one Brad let's uh let's get to the fourth quarter let's get to something else and finish up this weekly podcast here on lacrosse classified you got it right here on the lacrosse flash podcast Network
3: Hey, this is Pat Reguar of Lacrosse Flash, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified.
1: All right, lacrosse fans, into the fourth quarter we go, which means no more breaks here on Lacrosse Classified. That's a good thing. Uh, so let's not waste any more time here, Bradley. Let's get to something else. Let's begin.
0: Right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else.
2: Oh, let's try something else.
0: Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Else here. Time for another week of something else on the Lacrosse Classified Podcast, sponsored by G Wilson Construction. Mrs. Jim doesn't want me doing this today. Um, I had surgery on my larynx on Thursday. I'm supposed to be on the down low, uh, no talking uh, program. But uh, very rarely do I listen to what she says. Um, uh, well, actually, I listen all the time, but uh, I don't always hear what she says. I don't know if that makes any sense. So I'm uh, holed up in the uh, in a dark, dingy spare bedroom of the house, uh, uh, recording the pod right now. I could talk about six-on-six lacrosse. Uh, the the. Uh, World Federation's just put out uh, for World Games. I could talk more about my surgery and the excellent care I got taken care of with. I can talk about McGill setting up a $100,000 scholarship for Indigenous um, lacrosse players. But I want to talk about uh, something else. I want to talk about the Six Nations Chiefs. The Six Nations Chiefs are the pinnacle and the highest level of, of, of sport uh, that's played on the reserves. and. I'm on... You're I'm, not supposed to be talking. Out. <laughs> out. Just slow it down. Okay. Um, that was Mrs. Jim. Um, I'm in trouble now. Uh, regardless, uh, the Six Nation Chiefs are the, the highest level out there, and uh, every young man grows up wanting to be on the Chiefs. Um, so many people have built their careers on that one thing, wanting to be a Chief. Um, since the mid-'90s... Um, They've been a force, frankly. Uh, uh, Some of my best and worst moments involved the Chiefs. Um, uh, I really enjoy watching them win when they're not playing the Shamrocks. Uh, Example, uh, them beating the Barards in 17 or 18 or 16 or whenever that was. Um, But them beating us in 2013 at the Q it uh, took uh, broke my heart but it was fantastic um we had the uh the drums were going uh, box 9 was was rocking we had the drums right in front and it was an incredible experience i uh, i just hope that uh Cody Jameson and uh, his Jackie Moon tweet uh, can follow through and uh, and keep something going out there because uh the you've got the Shamrocks the San the Lakers uh, there's so many, you know, there's so few teams out there that carry the mantle of, of responsibility the way they do, and it'd be an absolute shame if they couldn't keep it going. Well, that's about it, I guess. Um, I am going to go honor my my wife, Mrs. Jim, and I'm going to shut up for the rest of the night. Um, Everybody take care, and I'll talk to you a bit better next week. Good times. Ciao.
1: There it is. Something else brought to you by G. Wilson Construction Building. Find Custom Homes. That is their single focus. Upload your resume at gwilsonconstruction.com. Work with us. Tab at the top there. Let them know you heard it on Lax Glass. Get yourself an interview. Get yourself a job. Start your career in the construction business. Laborers, journeymen, contractors, you name it, they're looking for them. gwilsonconstruction.com. Calm, uh jimmer sounding good i must say after uh, some minor larynx surgery that sounds painful i think jim is actually in a little pain but like the gamer that he is sucks it up uh mrs jimmer not too happy with the jimmer but he sounds like a freaking new man. That was that was unreal. I
2: barely recognized him off the top. And then to have Mrs. Jimmer roll in and then call him Jimmer. I know. That's like that's like Danny calling you Jumbo. Yeah. Does or, she call or, you does she call you
1: Jumbo? No, she well, let's I, drop no, in The wife
2: doesn't come in and say, Charlie, wrap up the pod, let's go. Yeah.
1: Uh so that was that, <laughs> that was, was money. Quite, that was and, money. I, and I must say, uh the Jimmer is getting Like he's getting very polished at his editorials here. Like I think back to the first one he did compared to how much editing I had to do compared to what I do now and how he sounds and the flow. And uh, you can tell the more he does it, the better he gets. It's kind of how this business works, Brad. But uh, so good stuff there from the gym. We're talking about Six Nations, the Chiefs, Uh, with the story coming out via Daryl Smart. Last week, Brad, about how the Chiefs uh, may be in some financial turmoil here and this upcoming 2021 season could be their last if they don't get some more corporate support and, more importantly, some more fan support at the ILA. And, and this article, this story, has taken a lot of people – kind of off guard uh, where do you before I give you my thoughts on it where do you come out on all this well
2: it's 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 a tough one I'll say like I'm not you I want to jump ahead because you I think you're in the line of like kind of you, you love your conspiracy theories and you love your underlying do
1: I story yeah, I, can, you're
2: full of I... Conspiracy. you may as well just wear a silver hat and listen to coast to coast am every night because oh. you love you love a layer conspiracy and your conspiracy about this is that it's just kind of, I
1: didn't think I was uh, that guy
2: Dwayne Jacobs rally cry to say, Hey, if you don't come out and support and buy your season tickets and come to the barn next year, we could be gone. And now this will drum up some interest. It's a good PR stunt. Let's go. Um, maybe a bit of that, maybe a bit of that where, where my big concern is what happens to those lacrosse players and, and people on the res, if, this team gets taken away because he saw all the posts this week from Tohoku and Anikog and brendan bombary and dream come try to play for him dream can do and that's all they want grown they the or uh brendan didn't even mention the national lacrosse he said he had three goals growing up and that was arrows chiefs and Iroquois nationals national lacrosse is not even in that mm. dream mm. right i don't know if that's just because of, of where they're at or that's just they that's all they saw growing up is that's where you want to be right so you take that away how many kids are not gonna to aspire to that now? And then they're gonna put down the lacrosse stick because they're not gonna be going to the rinks and, and watching watching the Six Nations Chiefs play home games, right? How many is that gonna say, Okay, well, what is the future for this now? If I can't play for the Chiefs, I don't like leaving the Reds, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. And then we're losing out on a generation of great lacrosse players and and mentors. The Chiefs walk around like kings there. They're they're so revered and they give back so much to not have those players around that area, I think, is going to hurt. Um, do I think they're going anywhere? Probably not. Um, but I also think that lacrosse and summer lacrosse is in a huge turning point right now. And it's going to look totally different when we start playing again, whether it's NLL players aren't there, like will likely be this summer, whether it becomes a real true feeder under NLL rules and they start working closely with the national lacrosse league change is a coming across summer lacrosse everywhere. And this this is just another part of that.
1: Here's a few things that I know to be true. Number one, I think players should get every single penny that they can while they play. I think they deserve it. I think they're worth it. And that's where I come out on that. I also That's not know- saying the
2: argument that that's that's of the argument of stop paying your players so much money. Well, and, and you'll, this is and you'll where I'm going. A, you'll be able to keep it. This team is on the...
1: where I'm going, Brad. You look at the Six Nations Chiefs and yes, they've won six man cups since their existence began in 1993. That is a lot more than a lot of other teams that have been around a lot longer than them. And part of that is because of the talent that comes out of the Six Nations territory. There is no question about that. Part of the other reason is bringing guys in like John Tavares and Paul Gate, Shane Jackson, Dane Smith, Matt Vince, and others who are not from Six Nations, but do receive compensation to play for the Chiefs. So for me, it's a bit of a double-edged sword here. And I'm not telling guys what to do or what to say or, or anything like that, but for guys like Tahoka and Bon, I don't know what they make playing for the Chiefs, if anything. But I know the Chiefs payroll is pretty high up there. It rivals like it's up there. So to kind of cry wolf and say, hey, we don't we don't have enough money here. There you so, go. so why not just stop, like, cut the payroll down here a little bit. Keep your local pra- – like, I know one thing to be also to be true is that the Junior B Rebels, they draw great. And I think part of the reason that they don't get as many fans out to the Chiefs games as they would like is because it's not all First Nations players. They want to watch their own in their backyard. And as good as the talent is, and yes, winning games and winning Man Cups is great, but I think they would rather – not win as many games or even Man Cups, but get to watch their local players more so than the other way around. So,
2: Here's the other thing that I believe too. You could have a, a roster of Six Nations local players without paying just them. Whether good. They will compete with any team in major series lacrosse, hands down. And there's also players like, you know, if you, there's local players that are going to take a pay cut or take no pay at all to play in Six Nations rather than, maybe take a care at that that Peterborough or Brooklyn's dangling. They're going to say, you know what? I'm from here. This is where my heart and soul is. I want to play for these guys. I'm not going anywhere no matter how much money you pay me. There's going to be those guys too.
1: But there's also, I would think, Brad, probably going to be guys on the other side of things that are going to say, like, I need to make some money playing lacrosse in the summer, and if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to go somewhere else and get paid, which is okay too. But there's got to be... A a, a line there where it's financially responsible to run your, your team and it's irresponsible to run your team, paying guys something you can't afford. So I think, yes, do the Chiefs need some more support in the stands? Absolutely. Could they use a few more sponsorship dollars to help float that roster and that payroll? No question about it. But I also don't believe that they're going anywhere out of Six Nations if they don't get those things because they could easily chop that payroll down in half and be just fine, but they might not be competing for the Man Cup every single year. So I'm taking that whole thing with a grain of salt, and it'll be interesting to see which direction and which side of the line some of these guys want to go. Do they want to be a chief? Or do they want to get paid and be a chief? That's the question I'm asking.
2: Well, and also no decisions can be made on what's going to happen in summer 2021. Because, yeah, there is going to be less butts in the seats because guys are going to be playing in the National Lacrosse League and summer lacrosse is going to look completely different. So let's not base teams folding based on what happens in 2021. This has to be what's going on in 2022 and beyond because next year is going to be a, an absolute wash just like this year was
1: good point. and uh that's a good way to end the program right now i want to thank steve dietrich for coming on the program i want to thank jim else for for something else uh heal up jimmer look forward to hearing that sexy voice a week from now how good that's gonna sound appreciate everybody listening to lacrosse classified each and every single week please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast you'll find lacrosse Classified. Give us a follow on social media as well at Brad Chow, two L's on the end of Chow. I'm at PXP for sports. The show is at Lax Class. You can also email if you're not on social media at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Last thank you goes out to our sponsors, of course. Please support them. That's how you keep this podcast going. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction, and our good friends at Manscaped. Promo code LAXCLASS20. You know it by now. Free shipping, 20% off. Use it. You won't regret it. Your balls will thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. We got to go for Brad Chillener, Ben Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator. We'll talk to you next time here on Lacrosse Classified and Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Be safe and be healthy, everybody.